0: Enjoy the message. Uh, I want to just continue to focus on the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, as we uh, study today and look at the Word of God. I want to ask you to stop right now and pray, and let's pray for our time together as the Word is being preached. Father, we, we need you right now Lord and we call upon you in the name of your son Jesus and we thank you Lord for your holy word God there's power in your word and we know it will never return void so Lord I just pray today that this message God that you I feel like you put it on my heart God to, to give to your people God that you would just bless this bread God and it would feed our souls and strengthen us God and that we would be encouraged God and that we would Continue to walk, God, each day, drawing nearer and closer to you, God, as we lean on you and trust you for all things. Jesus, we just pray right now. You will just come and just show up and just continue to work everything out for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When we look at the book of Nehemiah, we've already learned uh, some powerful truths from this book and that we know I want to just kind of do a little recap because I know maybe some people may have been out and want to catch you back up but during the Nehemiah's life during the time that he lived he discovered that the city of Jerusalem was in despair his home his hometown was in despair you remember the temple of Solomon that he built it had been destroyed and now the temple was in ruins the wall around the city Of Jerusalem had crumbled and the gates that were in the wall had been burned and now Nehemiah and many other people they're in this captivity they're in a time of captivity and while he's in captivity he's serving as the cupbearer for the king of Persia they were under Babylonian captivity but the Persians took over the Babylonians and now he's under uh, the Persian king and while he's in captivity and serving the king of Persia, his brother comes from his homeland because some had kind of went back to their homeland and his brother, Nehemiah's brother, was one of those who went. And he comes back to Nehemiah and he gives them this report of all the destruction that had taken place, the condition of his homeland. And it was in mass destruction. And when Nehemiah heard this report about his own homeland, we learned that he was moved with compassion And he was moved with confidence in God and he was moved with courage that he would get back in the game and he would be a game changer for God and that he would begin to do something. He would go back and he would make a difference and he would begin building things that were broken and putting things back together as they rebuild the wall. He made a decision that he was going to do something for the glory of God. And so Nehemiah, what he does is he's... He has a conversation with the king of Persia, and the king gives him permission to go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the walls around the city. So Nehemiah, he begins to travel, and he travels back to Jerusalem, and when he arrives in Jerusalem, we we learned that he, he takes this journey around the city there, and he begins to see with his own eyes, he begins to see the walls that are crumbled and the the burnt rubble and the, the burnt gates, and he begins to see the collapsed temple and how everything inside had been robbed and destroyed. He begins to see with his own eyes the devastation there in his own homeland. So what he does, after evaluating the broken walls and the burned gates, he calls the people, the Jews together, and he says, Listen, it's time for us to rebuild the wall. It's time for us to get together. It's time for us as God's people to come together for a great work. So Nehemiah begins to uh, encourage the people. And then we learned a few weeks ago in chapter three we see a list of everyone who was there on the wall building and working, and it was different people from all different backgrounds, but they all had a place on the wall where they could work. They all had something to do. And we were reminded from the book of Nehemiah that no one has been saved to sit on a pew or sit in a chair. We're all saved so we can serve God. We know from the Bible that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Just read Ephesians 2, verse 9 and 10, and you will see that. That we're not called to sit on the sidelines. There's a place for everybody in God's game. And we need to get in the game. And praise the Lord, I praise the Lord. When you keep reading from chapter 3 and go into chapter 4, We can say, thank you, Lord, that uh, Nehemiah and the Jews, they decided they were going to get in the game and start working to rebuild the walls, and they did it with enthusiasm, and they did it with passion. So what happens next? Nehemiah identifies what's going on and they all get there and they're all motivated to go out and do a great work with passion and enthusiasm. So what happens next? As soon as they get on the wall, as soon as Nehemiah and God's people get in the game and start working for the Lord, guess what happens? The enemy shows up and tries to stop the great work. We read here, I got these few verses I want to share with you in Nehemiah chapter 4. Verses 1 through 3, I want, this is your homework, though. Read the entire fourth chapter of Nehemiah uh, this week, please. It won't take you long, but you need to read it. It says that when Sanballat, he was a bad guy now. Sanballat, with a name like that, he's a bad guy. Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, and he became angry, and he was greatly incensed. That word just means he was furious. And he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, here's what he said. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then there was another bad guy who comes right in behind Sanballat and gets over on his shoulder, and he begins, and he says, Tobiah the Ammonite, he's a bad guy, was at, the, was at uh, Sanballat's side, and here's what he said. What in the world are they building? Even if a fox climbed on it, it would break down their walls of stones. And if you keep reading, friend, not only is there Sanballat and Tobiah, but there's also some others that come and they uh, come against the work of the Lord, if you keep reading in Nehemiah chapter 4. Here's my point. Nehemiah uh, and God's people, listen, they started to work for the Lord, and when they started to work for the Lord, guess what happens? They start to be, they're attacked. They're attacked. And that reminds me this morning that any time that we decide that we're going to get in the game and start working for the Lord, we need to be ready for the battle. Hear me, church, I'm telling you the truth this morning. When we begin to get in the work of the Lord and begin to build, we need to be ready for the battle. Listen, I'm telling you today, God's work is going forward and God is doing a great thing. But when God's work goes forward, there's going to be opposition to come to try to stop it. And don't take me wrong here, listen, I'm telling you the truth, there is great joy There's great victory in uh, walking with the Lord. There's great joy in working for the Lord. But I'm here to tell you today, you take that one step and start building for God and the opponent, the opposition, is going to come. And he's going to attack you. So when you get in God's game and when you need to be ready, you need to be ready for the battle, you need to be ready for the opposition, you need to be ready for the hit. You won't hear that preached in a lot of churches today. I'm I'm just telling you that, but that is the truth. You can look at Paul's life, look at the life of Jesus. Listen, if you step out and try to do something, you're going to face opposition. It's not always going to be a cakewalk in life. And I know that I use football a lot as an illustration, and please forgive me, but it just ties in so well with what they're going through here in Nehemiah chapter 4. You see, the game of football is a physical contact sport. Did you know that? It is a physical contact sport. And if you play in the game of football much, you're going to get hit by the opponent. If you're in the game, you're going to take a hit sooner or later. Now, sooner or later, some hits are worse than the others. If you play in the game long enough, you're going to get blindsided. If you play in the game long enough, you're going to get what I call a slobber knocker. Any volunteers that want to see what the slobber knocker is? I see one hand. (laughs) We'll pray for you. The slobber knocker is when you get hit and your mouthpiece comes out and slobber just goes everywhere. I've been on the receiving end of that before. Listen, Nehemiah and his team... They got in the game, and I'm here to tell you they were hit, they were hit, they were blindsided, they received a slobber knocker, and listen, they, the, the battle began when they started building. And I'm here to tell you this morning, listen to my heart, if you start building, you're soon going to start battling. You start building your life around Jesus Christ and putting him at the center of everything, there's going to be a battle. You start building uh, your, your marriage Where it glorifies God and He's the center of everything in your marriage, you need to be ready to battle. You start building a home and a family that puts Jesus in the center of everything, you better be ready for the battle. You start coming to church and attending church faithfully and getting involved and helping people and serving people, guess right? Guess what? You better be ready for the battle. The battle will come, opposition will come when you get in the game. It's just a fact. And here's the thing, Nehemiah, this is where I want to go for the next few minutes. He was ready for the battle. He was ready for the battle because he recognized that Sambala and Tobiah and many others, he recognized them as his opponent. And church, we need to recognize who our opponent is. And our opponent today, the one that we're in opposition against, is Satan himself. And we need to recognize who he is. We need to recognize his plan of attack. You know what the Apostle Paul told the church in Corinthians, you can write this verse down. You might want to go back to it later. Second Corinthians 2.11. The apostle Paul told the Corinthians, he said, listen, your opponent is Satan, and you better be familiar with his schemes and his tactics so he will not outsmart you. That's what Paul told that church. You see, God has a game plan for every life in here. His game plan is to give you abundant life here on earth and also eternal life. But the devil, Satan himself, also has a game plan for your life as well. His game plan is to defeat you. And he'll use every tactic, he'll use every scheme possible to take you out of the game forever. I want to tell you something this morning. He does not play by the rules. He has no rules. He'll do whatever he has, every scheme, every device, every tactic that he can to take you out of the game forever. Please listen to me. It's a real battle. And he wants to take you out. He wants to take you completely out of the game. John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants for your life. And Satan, in this story here with Nehemiah, Satan is using Sanballat and Tobiah to try to stop the Jews from working. Now when you study a little bit of background about these two guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, They were two corrupt leaders in that land. And they were personally gaining influence and power and profit as long as the city walls were not fortified. As long as the walls were down and the gates were burned, they were making some profit. They were making some power. They were getting power and they were gaining influence. So when they saw that the Jews and Nehemiah were there and they were actually working to rebuild the walls, they became angry and they became furious and that's when they started to attack. So what schemes did they use to to, uh, distract and to try to destroy the work of God? What schemes does the enemy use in your life today to try to distract you and to defeat you? I have them listed here on a slide. It says here in Nehemiah 4, just different things that the enemy tried to use to attack Nehemiah and God's people. He'll use ridicule. He'll use mockery. He'll use confusion. He'll use conspiracy. He'll use intimidation, he'll use deception, he'll use discouragement. Can anybody relate to that? He'll use these things right here to try to pull you off of the work of the Lord. He'll do whatever he can to try to attack you with these things. And one of the schemes that Satan will use is he'll use people. He'll use people to come to you and they'll mock you, they'll ridicule you, they'll criticize you, they'll insult you. Don't look at nobody now. The the enemy will use critics and complainers to distract you from doing the work of the Lord. That's what he was using Sanballat and Tobiah to do. They were criticizing, they were complaining, they were intimidating, trying to stop the work of the Lord. What does Sandballot he do? What does he do? He begins to complain, he begins to criticize. You feeble and poor people, who are you that you can take something out of these burnt rubble stones and make a wall? And then Tobiah comes along and he yells out, This wall that you're building, even if a little fox runs across it, it's gonna collapse. Listen to me this morning. Don't be surprised if the enemy, or not not if, don't be surprised. When the enemy sends people to insult you and criticize you when you start working for the Lord. I'm just telling you that today. Don't be surprised because you remember how David himself, David, was mocked and insulted by Goliath. He says, what is that, a little stick in your hand? You're going to chase me away like I'm a dog? Do Do you remember how the people who crucified Jesus on the cross, they hurled insults at him? You claim that you're the king of the Jews? Why don't you come down and save yourself? Listen, when you begin to work for the Lord, you need to be ready for people to come and complain and criticize against you, insult you, and mock you. And here's my word for you today. If you're being insulted and criticized by people, it's a good sign that God's using you. It's a good sign God's using you. If, if people are coming against you and attacking you by criticism and complaining and insults and mockery, it's a good sign that God is using you. And I love what Nehemiah did. He ignored them and he kept building through the battle. He ignored the complaints and ignored, he ignored the criticism and he kept building through the battle. I love what the, the late Warren Wears, Wearsby said. He said these words here. The things people say may hurt us, but they can never harm us unless we let them get into our system and poison us. If all you do is ponder over and over in your mind the enemy's words, then Satan will keep you distracted from the Lord's work. And if he can distract you and discourage you with criticism, he can defeat you. What a powerful word right there. That we need not be distracted. We need to ignore those things, and we need to be focused on building what God has placed before us, working for the Lord. And then the enemy. He never lets up, friend. You resist him, but he still tries to come at you again. And the enemy started calling the Jews feeble, and that word feeble means uh, weak or powerless. And the enemy is trying to convince God's people that they're too weak to build the wall. And the truth is that we are weak today. But the good news for all of God's people is the Bible says that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. I love. The Apostle Paul and what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to this man. He says, I will boast the more gladly about my weaknesses so Christ's power may rest on me. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can rest on me. And then he goes on to say, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, In difficulties because when I am weak then I am strong hallelujah listen friend you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength praise the Lord you keep working you keep building but don't do it in your own strength you do it in the power of God and the enemy is going to continue to try to convince you that you're too weak too weary to carry out the work listen to me please never let the enemy convince you that you're not usable in the kingdom of God, I don't care what you've been through, I don't care what kind of luggage you come in with today, I don't care how messed up your life is, you're still usable in the kingdom of God still usable as a matter of fact, he delights in using feeble people never let the enemy convince you that you're not able to do something great for the kingdom of God Never let the enemy convince you that you're wasting your life by helping people and serving others. He's going to try to come and convince you with lies and deception. And if he can't get you with that, then he'll begin to try to laugh at you like they were laughing at these people here. They begin to laugh at them and mock them for rebuilding the walls. Listen to me. People may laugh at you at the thought that you're now a follower of Christ. People may laugh at you now that you, you're coming to church and you're bringing your family. People may laugh at you because now you're involved in serving in the kingdom of God and you're investing a lot of your time. They may laugh, but here's my thought on it. You let them laugh, friend. Let the critics laugh. Let the complainers laugh because in the end, you're not going to be standing before them. You're going to be standing before Almighty God in the end. So you don't be afraid of people who are critical. Don't be afraid of people who are mocking you, who are attacking you. Listen to what the Word says in Matthew ten Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but you rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm not going to fear man. I'm going to fear the Lord, but I'm not going to fear man. Come on, friend. Who do you fear today? Is you are you fearful of men or are you fearful of God? Listen, I, I fear the Lord. I don't fear man. And what we need to do is we need to stay focused on God's work and keep building through the battle. Lord, have mercy. It's ten twelve. I got to move along. So how do we respond? How how do we respond when when the enemy comes? To try to distract us and defeat us and pull us off the wall, how do we respond? Let's respond today like Nehemiah and God's people responded. They first responded by praying. Did you know there's power in prayer? There's power. Can I, Can you say amen to that? Can you amen? There's power in prayer. When when the people came out to surround the people of God as they worked on the wall, they began to uh, shout insults and mockery, and they began to work a conspiracy. Uh, there with the people of God trying to stop the work and I love what the Bible says And Nehemiah says but we, we stopped and we prayed to our God D-d-d-d- listen I'm surrounded by the enemy I'm being attacked there's hits coming I've been blindsided I've received a slobber knocker but you know what I'm going to do we're going to stop and we're going to pray we're going to pray we're going to pray so Nehemiah he ignored them and he began to pray And listen, you're going to fight your battles through prayer, friend. You're going to fight your battles through prayer. you got to keep praying. In Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about putting on the armor of God to withstand the attacks from the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. Listen, stay alert. And be persistent, don't quit praying you pray every day, keep praying while you're going through the battle, while you're building you just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying keep praying keep praying when the opposition comes what does Nehemiah do? he begins to pray and then he puts these guards up on the wall he puts the guards up on the wall and And they're there 24 hours a day to protect the workers. And we need some watchmen on the wall. We need some workers on the wall who will be willing to stand there in those gaps and begin to pray. That will begin to pray for our country, pray for our communities, pray for our brothers and sisters. Will you pray for one another? Please, will you wake up during the week and would you please take time to pray for one another here in this community and most of all in this local church? pray for one another and then we see here they also respond and Nehemiah did by reminding the people that God is on their side he reminded them that God is on their side this man is an encourager he's a motivator that they're being attacked and he goes to the Lord in prayer and then they come at him again and he starts to pray again and then he comes back and he begins to remind the people listen don't you be afraid you remember the Lord he's on your side And boy, they're weak, and they're weary, and they're about to throw it all down, but they just kind of start. They feel the power of God again. They they know they've been praying, and hear the word from the Lord. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, because he's good, and he's glorious, and he's mighty, and he's all-powerful. Hallelujah. And what a word for us today, friend. Are you working for the Lord today, and you feel like giving up? Remember the Lord is great and mighty. Have you been building something for your home and the devil has been trying to lure you away? You keep building, friend, and remember, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. He's on your side. You're working for the Lord. He will fight for you. You need to remember the Lord is faithful. You need to remember the Lord is in control. You need to remember today that the Lord is a defender of the weak. You need to remember today that he's a comforter to all. You need to remember today that he's our salvation. There's no other way to heaven and to the Father except through Jesus Christ. You need to remember that today. You need to remember that with God all things are possible. You need to remember that the Lord is always with you. You need to remember today that the Lord will always fight for you. I don't care what you're going through. Nothing is greater than God. He's on your side. And he will bring the victory in your life. I'm going to save this testimony to the second service. Y'all want to come back, you can hear it. They also responded by staying committed. They stayed committed. Nehemiah, listen, when they went through all those attacks and all those hits, it says that they all, re, they all returned to the work. They all returned to the work. Yes, we've been bruised. Yes, we've been going through a battle. But you know what? We're going to keep building. We're going to keep working. You know why they kept working? Because Nehemiah was steadfast and unmovable. Write this verse down right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Say nothing. Look to your neighbor and say nothing. Listen, stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm and let nothing move you. Don't let any person, don't let any circumstance, don't let anything move you from doing the work of the Lord. He says here, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is... And the Lord is not in vain. Listen, every device and every scheme that Satan tried to come and Nehemiah with, none of it worked. You know why? Because they were committed. They were committed. Say committed. They were committed fully to the Lord. They were committed fully to the work of the Lord. Let me ask you this morning this. Are you committed fully to the work of the Lord? Are you committed fully to the work of the Lord? Or are you halfway in and halfway out? It doesn't work that way, man. God wants all of you. And are you fully devoted to the work of the Lord? I mean, you're all in 24-7. I'm ready because it's game time and I want to be a game changer. And I'm all in. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay committed. I was thinking again about how sometimes I remember one night we were playing in a game. I can't remember if it was JV or what. One of the boys on the team got hit by somebody on the other team, the opponent. He came back to the huddle for the next play, and his face mask was broke. And part of it was hanging down and hanging sideways, and I was like, man, you all right. <laughs> but you know what? He kept right on in the game until somebody told him he had to come out to get a new helmet. And that just reminds me, we're going to take hits in life. We're going we're to be blindsided, but you know what? Just because you take a hit in the game doesn't mean you come out of the game. You, you, you keep pounding, you keep pounding, you keep playing, you keep going. No matter how bad to hit, no matter how many attacks you're facing in your life, you keep building, you keep fighting, you don't give up, you don't quit. You stay committed because it's all worth it in the end. It's all worth it in the end. Friend, don't give up. Some of you are going through some of the toughest battles in your life right now. Stay committed to the Lord. Stay committed to the Lord. Stay committed. I've seen so many people that have they've been on fire for God and then a battle comes an attack comes and next thing you know they've turned around and they've retreated and they've gone back to the ways of the world don't do that friend stay committed to God please stay committed to God it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it oh Jesus don't give up sister if you'll come help me I'm going to do a Dr. Trammell. Maybe they'll think I'm closing. <clears throat> the very last thing I will tell you right now is that they all responded by working together. They responded by working together. Say, together. Now, Nehemiah had some concerns because the work was so spread out around the city on the walls, and he knew. the enemy could come in at any place so what does he do he stations these people on the walls and they're carrying trumpets they're carrying trumpets and his instructions to them is this if there's an attack that comes and the enemy comes at, uh, at a certain place because we're so spread out I want you to sound the trumpet sound the trumpet that's a message right there and when we hear the sound of that trumpet, it's going to single, it's going to be a signal to us and we're going to go as fast as we can and we're going to fight together. We're going to fight together. Wherever we hear the trumpet, we're going to run to it and we're going to fight for each other. We're going to fight for each other. In church, we got to fight for each other. We got to fight for each other through prayer. We got to fight for each other through encouragement and encourage one another, lift one another up, lift one another up, lift one another up, encourage one another in the Lord. We're, we're going we're to rally around that person and fight for them and we're going to be there for them when they're going through some of the most difficult times in their life. We got to fight for each other. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your husband. Fight for your wife. Fight for your church family. Fight. You got to fight. And we got to do it together. We got to do it together. We got to do it together. We got to be together as we fight. One of the greatest illustrations of this that I can probably pull to you right now is from a movie of called The Gladiator. Some of you might not like me using that, but I'm preaching. <clears throat> so The Gladiator is a great movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I was reminded of something about The Gladiator movie. If y'all remember the scene there where they're kind of all there. You can go ahead and put it up if you want. You got it. Thank you. They all walk into the Colosseum. Now, none of these guys are really friends. They're all kind of opposed to one another. They're all kind of trying to take each other out. But they're all put in this Coliseum, and they're going to face some kind of an adversary that's behind this gate, and they're going to open up this gate, and we don't know, they don't know what's going to come out. But instead of fighting each other, the gladiator, which is Maximus, I love what he says he says friend he said listen whatever comes out of these gates we got a better chance of survival if we work together he says do you understand if we stay together if we stay together we survive and what a word that is for the church today friend if we will just come together and stay together and fight together and pray together and serve together we will win and we will survive if we fight together we win If we work together, we win and we overcome the enemy just like they did in that movie. They overcome the adversary and they did it because they were praying together, like we would do here at this church. We pray together, we'll serve together, and we'll be together as a church, strong and united for the glory of God. We got to get in.